0: This is the Intego Mac podcast, the voice of Mac security for October 5th, 2018. In this week's episode, Facebook was plagued by not one, but two security-related slip-ups this week that put millions of users at risk. We'll have the details. Plus, sloppy Russian hackers leave an easy-to-follow trail. Wi-Fi has some simpler-to-use naming conventions. And can you be compelled by law enforcement to unlock your iPhone with Face ID? The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. You
1: went to sleep late last night, didn't you, Josh? I did. I could tell. (laughs) I was watching you. I was watching you in the Google Doc that we used to prepare... This podcast episode, we set up a Google Doc for each episode. We put in links and and we enter the information about what we're going to talk about. And in the morning, my time, maybe nine o'clock, so that's one a.m. your time. Uh-huh. I saw you pasting links and editing things, and you were telling me that to to check out certain videos about one of the topics we're going to talk about.
2: Yeah, that's right. I was up late, and uh, and then what's kind of funny is that there were a couple of stories that just broke this morning, like at 2 a.m. our time in California.
1: Right, that broke this morning, my time. We've got a lot of news. And in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about the Facebook security breach that happened and that's been in the news and why it's important. But first, we want to cover a whole lot of news that's broken today. One of the most interesting stories is that the Dutch arrested four GRU, Russian military intelligence agents. They were parked outside a building that was run by the Organization for the Prevention of Chemical Weapons. Now, if you followed the news, there was a Soviet guy and his daughter who were attacked with a nerve agent in Salisbury in the UK a few months ago. And the Organization for the Prevention of Chemical Weapons, we're going to use the abbreviation OPCW from now on, was investigating this. They were testing the samples so they could try and identify where it came from. So these four guys parked in a car across the street from the office, and they were trying to get into the Wi-Fi network to eventually penetrate the computer network and maybe steal data, maybe find out what was going on. We're going to avoid the politics involved here, but what I found really interesting is that this means that the OPCW has sufficient protection in terms of firewall intrusion protection, etc., and that the only way someone could get in is to try that sort of physical access almost getting
2: into the Wi-Fi network. Or at least the the simplest way for them to get in was probably to compromise the Wi-Fi, which absolutely makes sense because Wi-Fi is known to have a lot of vulnerabilities. If you don't happen to be using the latest protocol or if you have any weak passwords to get onto your Wi-Fi network, then there's definitely a real possibility that somebody could break into your network. In fact, given enough time... You know if somebody's even brute force guessing the password to your network, they're eventually gonna get in so uh, if you know if you're not constantly rotating your password, there's a possibility that given enough time someone will break into your network
1: uh, well'll link in the show notes to an article in The Guardian that has a photo of the trunk of the vehicle where they had all this hardware and they had a a wi fi panel antenna and and then they found things like Taxi receipts from the GRU headquarters to the airport in Moscow, printouts of Google Maps pages, and all. It sounds like this was a pretty amateurish team doing
2: this. Yeah, definitely. They they didn't really do much to try to hide what they were doing, which is which is kind of funny because these are spies, right? These are professional spies. Well, theoretically, they're professionals, but theoretically, professional, yeah. But this is interesting, though. So, so this was, uh, you, you know, they, they weren't walking right up to the building to try to get a better signal. They were using signal boosting equipment to be far enough away from the building that no one would suspect that they were trying to hack that building's Wi-Fi network. Right. And so this is another interesting point, because a lot of people think, well, if I walk down the street from my house and I've got my Wi-Fi turned on, I lose connection. You know, I, I'm, I'm only a few hundred feet away from my house. And now I can't connect to my Wi-Fi anymore. Well, there are some ways that you can actually boost the signal strength from the other end. So even if from your home, it doesn't broadcast that signal very far, if someone on the other end has a signal amplifier, then they can actually still connect to your network even if they're much farther away than your phone may be when you're walking down the street. So they're using some clever trickery here with some signal-boosting equipment, and this is something that people should be aware of. Again, this is not something that the average user in their home really needs to worry about, but businesses need to consider this. When they're deciding whether to have a Wi-Fi network at all, first of all, you need to make sure that you have as secure of a network as possible. You're using the latest protocol and encryption standards and everything. If you're going to have a static password, make sure that it's very long and complex and secure as possible. And that you probably also, if, especially if you're company has any kind of secrets that you want to keep, which almost every company does. Every company does, yeah. You don't want your competitor to to get information about what you're working on. Uh, so you probably also want to cycle your passwords. You want to have a different password maybe every month and never go back to a previously used password. Now, other Wi-Fi networks sometimes they are based on uh, credentials for an individual employee. So for example, it might be your, if you've got a Windows server in your environment, it might be an active directory password at your workplace. And you also need to make sure that if, if it's that kind of a network, where somebody's putting in their own username and password, that nobody in your Active Directory network has a weak password.
1: You have multiple layers of password hygiene that are necessary in order to do this. And of course, this is the case in any business, even for home users. You know, we've seen all these hacks where your username and password can be leaked onto websites, and if it's a weak password, and if you use it in multiple locations. You know, we've talked about this countless times. The UK government also announced that the Russians have been ordering a series of reckless cyber attacks. Now, we're not going to go into any detail on this. It's just that they've been attacking states and infrastructures and things like that. The World Anti-Doping Agency, if you remember when the Russians were accused of of doping for the last Olympics. So this sort of state-sponsored activity is increasingly common today. But it, it is kind of interesting that, you know, in one case, four guys had to go to The Hague try and get into something. A tiny bit of news about Wi-Fi that I think is going to make our lives a little bit easier. Since Wi-Fi has been around, we have been using a standard called 802.11 with one or two letters as a suffix. There was 802.11b and then g and then n and then a, C, and then what's the latest one? XA? A-X. Ax Sorry. It's really confusing. So the Wi-Fi Alliance is going to simplify all of this technology, and the A, X is going to be called, you ready for this? Wi-Fi 6.
2: Now why didn't anyone think of this before? Yeah, it's it's funny that, you know, we we're, we're going from 802.11ac and actually even ac wave 2 to now now we're just calling it Wi-Fi 6. It's Wi-Fi 6. We, you know, f- forget about the fact that we never really called anything Wi-Fi 5 or 4 or anything like that. Oh no, but
1: they're they're grandfathering in. Yes. Wi-Fi 5 is going to be 802.11ac, Wi-Fi 4 is going to be 802.11n. So that means that G will be Wi-Fi 3. B will be Wi-Fi 2, and I think there was a something before the B, the very first one, that probably no one ever used, consumers never used.
2: Yeah, I th- if I remember right, I think they said that B was Wi-Fi 1 and that A, I think, was Wi-Fi 2 or something like that.
1: Yeah, it, it's always been confusing. And one one of the reasons that this is important for consumers is sometimes you'll have a device and it tells you that it only connects on a certain type of Wi-Fi. Generally, you get B, G, and N in older devices, and newer devices also do AC. I'm not sure I've seen anything with AX. I don't know if Apple's recent devices handle AX. I haven't heard of that. But in the future, your router will tell you which number Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 5, whatever. And I think that's just a a nice change.
2: Yeah, this this will be a good thing, I think, going forward. Right now, it seems a little confusing. You're going to have... There's going to be a period of time where you go to buy something off the shelf, and it may say Wi-Fi 6, it may say... 80211 a x What's interesting, though, is that this is something that is a recommendation based on on what I've read about this It's not something that they're necessarily going to enforce as say part of the standard in order to call this wi fi compliant. you have to start using the term wi fi six yeah. so whether Apple and others will choose to adopt wi fi six uh, uh, you know remains to be seen
1: so in apple related news we've talked about face i d in the past and for the first time the FBI forced someone to unlock their iPhone X using Face ID. I'm linking to an article on Engadget, and they're saying this might be the first time that this has happened. It's possible this has happened in other occasions, and it hasn't been publicized. This is kind of interesting because you can eventually use a fingerprint to unlock a phone, and the, the FBI tried to crack one by 3D printing someone's finger, a dead person's finger. But this means that they can just put you in handcuffs and hold the phone up to your face, and there's not much you can do to stop it. Right, and
2: this is a very similar concern to things that came up when when Touch ID first came out. There, there were jokes about how, well, the latest tool in Hacker's Toolkit is a simple wrench. You know, you can just walk up to somebody, club them over the head, and now you can stick <laughs> their phone on their thumb and unlock their phone. Well, this is not that much different. This is a This is an example of how the something I am factor of multi-factor authentication. Or in this case, actually, it's really just single factor because Apple doesn't let you type a password and also use your biometrics. So that's kind of the problem here is that somebody doesn't even have to do two different things to get into your phone. Apple doesn't give that option. I've been hoping that Apple would eventually add that at least. I mean, I know the average user's is not going to want to do that. I would like to do that. I would rather every time I pick up my phone, type in a complex password and have it look at my face and confirm my identity, because then it's true multi-factor. This is just a still a single factor. And so you're going have problems like this where someone can just hold the phone up to your face.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It's worth knowing a little trick. If you ever want to disable Face ID on a recent iPhone or Touch ID on an older iPhone, on the iPhone X or later, you click the side button three times quickly. This is going to start an emergency call. By the way, it's good to know that you can start an emergency call just by pressing that button. You tap the stop button at the bottom, and then you tap on stop calling to confirm that.
2: To disable a Touch ID device, it's five times on the power button. And once you do that, that makes it so that something you are, whether that's your fingerprint or your face, will not be able to unlock the phone. Now it's gonna require your pin Hopefully you have more than just a four-digit pin, and then it's going to be a little more complicated for somebody to get into your phone because you know they can't get into your head and extract that. Now they may be able to use other methods. They may be able to you know torture you or things like that. That's still a possibility, but at least it's a lot harder to get into your device, and maybe you can hold out a little longer until you get past that window when it's easier to break into a device.
1: Just a quick public service announcement, a friend of mine alerted me yesterday to the fact that Apple is now selling refurbished iMac Pros on their website. So if you've been lusting after that really expensive iMac Pro, you can get one for 15% off as a refurb. Uh, I've bought refurb Macs and other Apple devices many times, and they come with the same Apple guarantee. I don't need an iMac Pro. I don't think you do, Josh, do you?
2: No, probably not. I mean, you know, they're, they're really cool. Um, they're really expensive, though, too. Even at 15% off, <laughs> yeah. they've got a hefty price tag. It's still over $4,000, which is kind of a lot of money for a desktop computer. That's kind of a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: We're going to take a break. I just want to mention one story that dropped really this morning, and we really haven't had time to look into it, but it's, it's incredibly interesting, and we'll talk about it next week. Bloomberg is reporting on how a Chinese company planted a tiny chip like the size that they show in a photo, a picture of a, a U.S. penny, and the chip is the size of Abraham Lincoln's nose. And they planted this on motherboards of a number of devices, and many major companies such as Amazon, Apple, and others, apparently 30 companies, bought devices that had this chip. This literally, just a few hours ago, this broke. This started around 2015. And we'll talk a little bit about it next week because it does raise some interesting questions. In the meantime, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to tell you all about the Facebook scandal.
0: If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Indigo's new Mac user center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you will want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software, that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code Podcast at checkout to save 50%. That's Intego Podcast to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. So Facebook is in the news again. Oh, boy. Facebook has been
1: in the news a lot lately with data breaches and things. And, And this one is, well, this one is partly... Not that big deal, but it's partly incredibly
2: seriously problematic. Wait, you said this one. Which story are we talking about, about Facebook? Oh,
1: well, I'm just talking about the first one, because that's right. There's two that are that are going on here, isn't right.
2: there? Right. <laughs> yeah, these, these two things that happened back to back, or were kind of became public knowledge back to back, I should say.
1: Okay, the first one is... So you know that you can log in with your Facebook account to other websites and even some apps, iOS apps, maybe not so much on the Mac. And we've mentioned many times on the show why this is not a good idea, because if someone can compromise your Facebook account, they can get into your apps. Well, apparently this happened to 50 million users, that uh, there was some way that certain people were able to access the tokens that are used to validate those accounts with other services. What this means basically is that malicious users, if they got this information and you were logged into, I don't know, words with friends using Facebook, someone could pretend they were you and play in your stead, and you'd be losing games all the time. That's not the serious part, though. What's more serious is the websites where you have personal information, potentially credit card numbers, things like that that people would be able to act.
2: Right. I, I think it's good to, although we don't need to get super technical into the details of this, the basics behind this are that there were a few particular vulnerabilities and, and they really revolve around this idea of Facebook's feature to impersonate somebody else. This is, this is actually a feature that Facebook... Well, it's
1: not really to impersonate, is it? It's to see... It's to see your page the way other people see it.
2: That's, that's true, that's, that's how it's intended to work, right? Right. And the idea behind this is that, you know, as part of Facebook's effort to make your your privacy better for you, they're giving you a, an opportunity to put in, say, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, you know, uh, information and see what your Facebook profile looks like to Mark Zuckerberg or anybody else. And and the idea behind that is if you've got um, some particular privacy settings in place so that, for example, my friends can see certain things, my friends of friends can see a little bit less and so forth, and, and you can even have it as granular as you know, only this group of friends that I've designated as, you know, people that I knew in college or something, um, those people are in a particular group and you can have things only shared with particular groups. Um, So it can get a little complex. So Facebook gives you the option to see what someone else sees when they look at your profile. Um, And that way you can make sure that when you've set it up,
1: you don't have any information visible to that so selected group of people that you don't exactly want exactly
2: right yeah and so the complication here was that because of a few bugs it was possible as far back as i think it was july 2017 evidently there was an, a, a, a new bug that was introduced in a facebook feature that now made it possible for somebody to not just see what someone else would see when looking at your account but now they would actually have some control over your account that's the scary part, and that's, that's what impacted, they say, at least 50 million people, and they actually say that it could have potentially affected as many as 90 million people. Based on looking at logs and and, uh, and things, they've been able to figure out, well, gosh, it actually may have affected more people than that. And so what Facebook has done is if you were one of those 90 million people, they've force logged you out of Facebook from any place that you may have been logged in because they can't necessarily distinguish between a legitimate login where you personally logged in or somebody else was impersonating you. And if you have been affected, then when you log into Facebook, well, you'll have to type in your password, of course. Uh, You're not going to be automatically logged in anymore. And you should have a notification giving you some more information about this.
1: Did you get that notification? Because I didn't. That's a great question. I haven't logged in my Facebook account yet. I guess I should, shouldn't I? Well, you should. You should check it out right now and we'll wait for you to check it out. So this was 50 million and 40 million for a total of 90 million. That's 90 million is 4.5% of Facebook users. So it sounds like a lot in the overall percentage. It's not a lot, but this should make people think more carefully about what they do post on Facebook. If you're posting certain things that are visible to your friends and family and others, say, to your coworkers and others to your you know more general circle of friends, be a little bit careful about posting... Let's say you've got a group of close friends and you're posting something about, oh man, I hate my boss, and you make a mistake and it gets posted in that group you've selected of your coworkers. Um, that that could be potentially problematic. The other thing, as I said earlier, is don't use Facebook to log into other websites or apps or anything like that. A couple of months ago, we were talking about this when a lot of people were thinking about deleting their Facebook accounts. And we mentioned the fact that if you do that, you may not be able to re-log into certain sites and apps. So use your email address, use the password manager to make a good password. Don't trust Facebook for
2: that. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely still my recommendation, too. And by the way, so I checked and I'm still logged into Facebook, which is kind of funny because I thought that I logged out of Facebook the last time I used it, I guess I need to be more careful about that. Yeah. I I prefer to log out because that way, you know, if there's some Facebook widget embedded in some other site that I'm visiting, that's right. Facebook doesn't know that I've been to that site.
1: Yes. So Oh, they know. That, well, no, you're using tracker blockers and all yeah. that. But if you're not
2: using tracker blockers, they are still going to know that you've visited. We should have a site. show of specifically talking about tracker blockers because I think that's, Let's yeah, do that. I think people would be interested in that.
1: Okay. So that's only the first of the two Facebook problems. And frankly, that to me is the less serious one. The more serious one involves two-factor authentication. Now, you certainly know two-factor authentication. In most cases, you give a company your phone number and you go to log in and you click a button to get a code and they send you a text message with a code. There are other ways you can do this. You can use Google's Authenticator app. Um, Password managers have the ability to do it. And, And Apple uses an entirely different system that doesn't rely on phone numbers at all. I've always been hesitant about that with certain companies. Like, I wouldn't give it to Google, I wouldn't give my phone number to Facebook and things like that because, well, they
2: could do something nasty with it, couldn't they? Well, yeah, and apparently Facebook has. (laughs) Hey, thanks Facebook. So what, what they've done here is they've decided that even if you are only providing your phone number as a two-factor method, something where they can text you at that number in order for you to get into your account. It's still going to be tied to your identity in other ways, in, in advertising-related ways. And that's... That's not what anybody expects, right? I mean if you put your phone number in your public profile on, on Facebook that anybody who's you know friends with you at least can see. Yeah, all bets are off in that case. Y- yeah, exactly, because you know you're sharing it with other people through Facebook. But this is something where you never intended for anybody, especially advertisers, to to be able to get that phone number information and use it to target you. Unfortunately, Facebook has done that in this case.
1: I don't know if we want to recommend that people ditch their Facebook accounts because Facebook is very useful for a lot of people. But I think you need to pay more attention to what Facebook is doing. They're not your friend. (laughs) You are the product. Your data is the product. They're out to get as much data as possible. Don't fill out all that information in, in your profile of all the places you lived and all the places you went to school and all that. That just gives them more fodder to build a more detailed profile about you. I'll link in the show notes to an article I wrote a few months ago about how to delete your Facebook and Twitter activity. I got to a point when I realized I didn't want to use Facebook anymore except for a number of groups. So groups are like, they've replaced forums these days, and particularly a number of photography groups that I'm interested in. And I do want to use Facebook for that. And and I deleted a lot of friends. And I went back and deleted most of my Facebook activity prior to 2018. I deleted 60,000 tweets from Twitter because I just don't want that stuff hanging out. So I'll link to that article. And you can go back. And if you're interested, you can clean out your Facebook and Twitter accounts. But maybe think more carefully about what you post on Facebook. Because every time you post something on Facebook, it goes into your profile. I don't know. You just got a new cat. Well... What a surprise. You get cat food ads all of a sudden, not only on Facebook, but on other on other websites that are using the data from Facebook. If you're talking to your friends about a medical condition and you start seeing ads for something for that medical condition, you know, that's going beyond privacy. OK, cat food's not a big deal, but something targeting a medical condition or, you know, you're talking about changing your job. And then all of a sudden you see job ads on websites. This is this is what they do.
2: Right, that's exactly how these companies make money, and particularly Facebook, Google. You know, the, these are the the most you know famous ones, and that tie in with so many different websites, and and that's you know why Apple is kind of uh, always talking about how they respect user privacy. You're not the product to us. You know, we're we're selling you a product, and not compromising your privacy. So you're not the product uh, for to us. So. Uh, yeah and and i i think that's a good reason to like apple's general direction and feeling on on privacy matters and uh and facebook yeah i i mean really their track record recently is is uh well it's not great um that's that's probably an understatement.
1: Okay, so that's enough for today. This has been a busy day. A lot of this news just broke today. A lot of it just broke last week. We really didn't have any time to talk about anything Apple-specific other than the Face ID issue. There haven't been any security issues affecting Apple this week, fortunately. But next week, maybe we'll have more. And we'll circle back to that Chinese thing when we get more information and we understand it a little bit more clearly. I think that's kind of interesting. In the meantime maybe you should clean out your Facebook profile information and that will help you
0: stay secure.
2: All right. Thanks, Kirk. Stay secure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review.